I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part, for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both pairs have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas will get such a shit shot next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their houses for 10 years. All right, so Kieran, it's great to be back. More than seven months since we saw a bit of inter-county action. 223 days, um, to be precise. Not that I'm counting or I have a calendar on my wall at home here or anything like that. We're in for an absolute treat this weekend. We have seven matches on television, loads more on GEA Go and that are being streamed. We've Armagh, Roscommon, Dublin Mead, Galway Mayo, Donegal Tyrone and Kildare and Cavan. So, like, I mean, we're being absolutely spoiled. It's been a, it's been a famine and now we're, on a, we're, now we're at feast time. Yeah, look, you know, it's it's always been strange times and, and, and mad times, look, but you know, it's it's you know, we've got the, the club season. Um it's great to get back into that and let the appetite and now, as you said, look, it's something to really look forward to this weekend, it's the intercounty season kicking off again. Yeah, so I was reading a quote from Jason Sherlock. He was um, doing some media yesterday and he, he's obviously, as we know, out of the Dublin setup. And he was saying if it was preparing for a National League game at the weekend, you're not just thinking of it from a football point of view and the logistics of where we meet for our pre-match meal. Now we have an additional layer involved of teams of that safety and protocols. I don't envy any of them. <laughs> I'd say he doesn't envy any of them. Eddie Brennan, the leash hurling manager, said that if this was his first year with a county, he would have pulled out long ago, that he kind of has a has a bond with them from last year. Like, I mean, you were involved with Mayo Bridge this year. You're with the Armagh under-17s. How hard is all of this? Yeah, look, you know, it's it, it's it's tough. You know, uh, I suppose to go back to um, experience with Mayo Bridge there um, that has just ended there last week due to all club activity being cancelled. You know, I suppose when we first initially got back together, like, you know, we obviously had to train in small groups of 10, um, you know, and you weren't allowed to do any ball work in, in, at the early stages. So it was just, we were meeting up in five different groups. Um, we have, there's 50 of a squad between the first and second team. 
and um, we were just doing a running session for 40 minutes and then gradually that progressed into football stuff on the pitch you know and you know it's probably from a management point of view and a player's perspective you know we did like a risk risk assessment of what our high chances chances it was of um, contracting the virus you know everybody has their own lives to live outside of football between work and and and, and their careers you know so obviously they have to still take place and then our risk assessment was done on what we can control outside of that their environment and you know and try to limit ourselves to that exposure and give us the best possible chance of competing and and finishing off our season and yeah that's that's, that's the that's the platform we talk you know and, and it's it's stood us in good stead what, what what do you think like there's going to be teams going all over the country like Kerry are going to Monaghan Longford are going to Derry like there's some big long kind of journeys what are the challenges going to be there because obviously you know we all know the routine you get on the bus everyone together sit beside your buddy stop off for a meal you know do a pre-match meeting maybe in the hotel that you have the meal go on to the dressing room tog out everybody kind of knows the routine displayed at any level like at this rate now it's it that's all just been ripped up yeah you know i um, suppose now with the, the guidelines of co park have, have sent out for each county you know is you know two buses have to be provided 252 seater buses have to be provided for um 26 players and 12 backroom team you know so and then masks has to be worn on the bus so obviously each player is going to have a seat of their own um, but on the bus and you know it's I think it's really important that you know you're dealing with you know elite players here that you know are going to be disciplined in, in what guidelines they have to follow and, and implement to give themselves the best chance of um, either getting promotion in, in the league in the coming weeks and giving them the best chance of putting a foot forward to make a stamp in the championship and yeah. you know obviously there's there is protocols, and I think that you know the players in each county that's involved will will, will police these to, to the minimum. How, how did you find the the dressing room dynamic? You didn't have a dressing room dynamic when you're with Mayo Bridge. You did everything in the stand or on the pitch. Um, I presume intercounty teams will have dressing rooms um, this weekend, but they'll have two dressing rooms. So you again, your traditional team talk in the dressing room is going to be a lot more difficult again. Yeah, you know, at club level is a lot harder, you know, you know, on, on a grand summer's evening it's grand when there's no rain, like you know, but when you're trying yeah. to prepare and get masters across and it lash and rain and maybe uh club pitch that doesn't have a stand to give you any sh- shelter, you know, it's it becomes that wee bit harder. But you know, you try to relate all your key points and key messages on the last training session um before the match and then, right. you know, obviously have a whiteboard at at, at the pitch. And just have the key messages written on a whiteboard while the players can see and go over as as they're doing their prep for a match. And then, you know, in my eyes, we try to focus on that all our work was done. And once we turned off for a match day, it was reinforcing them points that the players would see on the whiteboard and, and getting into a warm up and straight into the match. Right. Joey Wallace um, was on the show after scoring the winning goal for Atoll. He's obviously with Mead and he was saying he much prefers the the preparation outside on the pitch or in the stand because he said the tension in the dressing room he'd be a very relaxed sort of fella and he says that the tension in the dressing room can be too much yeah I suppose every, every player is different like you know um, he must have some really strong character managers um, you know it's I like quite like the change in the environment you know because boys are relaxed they can grab a seat you know on the pitch you know they're, they're standing and there's a lot of stuff going on around them you know so 
you know, it's it's I suppose it's an individual thing for for everybody. Um, regards management on players and what they feel is best and what what environment they like best. But um, you know, it's it is what it is, and it's it's something that we have to just just get on with at the present minute. You know, and I'm sure over the next two weeks at the county level, you know, players have been exposed at a at a club level, so they know the trial and error process that probably went into that, and they'll be taking that um, advice and experience back into the county setup and I think things will run smoothly smoothly enough over the next couple of weeks for, for county setups. Yeah. Do you think just a final one of this, do you think like I mean on match day, like you make a good point that you get most of your talking done the last training sessions, you know, where you have them all all together rather than the day of a game. I often felt when I was playing under a good few different managers that there's too much talk in the day of a game. You could have three different meetings. The captain might talk then. You know, a lot of it is repetition and it seems that it's more, that's what we've always done rather than is there the need for that much stuff on the actual match day? No, I think, I think things have, have changed in the last 10 years. You know, a lot of it is player driven. Right. You know, from within each um, setup nowadays and, you know, and, and you can even see that at club level now. Like you're trying to give more players leadership and ownership of of the whole situation and you know you reinforce whatever points you need to do in the last training session and you know it's all about just key points that that you'd want to address on on the match day and, and the best thing to do for that is to limit the uh, the amount of talk on these match days is, is getting them on on whiteboards and you know when players are, are at that level now where they'll take responsibility and maybe go into their own wee groups of defenders and forwards and midfielders and goalkeepers and chat as, as individuals, and then maybe get one or two points across to each other from a from a perspective of a, of a whole team. And the manager's jobs is, is limited at that stage. You know they've done whatever they need to do midweek at training. Right, right. You're making me feel old now. It's ten years since I was involved in that. <laughs> he said, "I'm so look. A lot has changed since you've been playing, uh, Woolies. So stop uh, harping back to it. Come here. We have to talk about this John Heslin tweet quickly and the GPA survey because I don't want to spend too much time on that. I think a lot of people might want to actually get away from constant um, COVID talk. We're fairly sure the games will go ahead this weekend. But um, John Heston was tweeting. He said, um, "At what stage does intercounty return badly needed in these grim days?" commentary end i'm concerned from a health and welfare perspective both individually and collectively for those contributing to the inter-county season that's obviously john heslin's um opinion i see your own stephen campbell has tweeted something completely different in the last uh, uh few minutes he's been talking yeah. about re- really looking forward to the season going ahead so again you know john heslin's tweet made huge headlines i'm not sure stephen campbell's will make the same headlines because for some reason bad news is traveling an awful lot faster than good news in this whole thing um, the GPA have sent a survey out to players. Um, they've asked, in your opinion, is your county board effectively implementing the COVID-19 inter-county return to play pro- protocols to ensure a safe training playing environment to you? That's a pretty good question, I think. At least county boards will have to shape up. And then they asked three questions after that. Do I want the, pro- the season to proceed? Do I want to play only if the implementation of the COVID-19 protocols is improved? Or, and three, I do not want the season to proceed. So I don't know, I've said a lot there, Kieran, for you to pick up on. Um, I suppose there's no right or wrong answer for this based on which players are comfortable playing and which players might not be comfortable playing. Yeah, look, you go back to John's tweet, you know, and it's, you know, it's probably a case of, you know, go back to the, the early stages of this year with Mayor Bridge. The first thing we asked each player when we met up was, this is an individual-based um, decision. If you're not comfortable playing football in this environment at the present time, you know, feel free to step away. Nobody's 
pulling the gun to your head to make you play. You know, and we did the same with Arm on the 17s um, five weeks ago when we met the parents and the players one Saturday morning. We addressed the same message was that, you know, if you're not um, comfortable with your kid playing in this environment at the current time, you know, there's, you know, we respect your decision if you want to pull your kid out of the under 17 um, in the county season. You know, and I think it boils down to. And did, did, it, did, did anyone pull out as a matter of interest? Yes, we had one one player that that opted out from the from the under seventeen squad just due to um, the the current situation and and with grandparents and stuff like that there with in the in the vulnerable um, age group age bracket yeah. and and he, he just just opted out out of the out of the under seventeen panel and you know and you got to respect that decision and the door we have said that the door's left wide wide open for him if if that changes in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, so I suppose it is important to ask players, and now the GPA are asking the players, like, what happens if the majority of players that respond to this service say they don't want the season to go ahead? Like, I mean, is the GA in kind of an untenable position at that stage? Yeah, look, you know, it's, I suppose they had to come out. There's a lot of pressure coming online at the present minute from from certain people, you know, and I suppose that the question had to be asked, and, you know, and then it's up to each player. Said it's going to be an individual basis, like, you know, whether... Yeah players want to anticipate or not and to be honest you know I think players will, will want to take part in in, in, in the in the competitions that's coming in the next number of weeks Yeah I think the same and I always remember I dropped off I dropped off an awful lot of county squads down through the years and I always remember the one thing that hit me most was the amount of people you're letting down and you know the amount of people that follow you and your family and friends and you're letting them down and you have to deal with all that and it's not easy to drop off a squad but I don't think that situation is really here now for players whereas if where if a player is uncomfortable and he says it's not for me this year I don't think they would get all that pressure would they Kieran? like I mean the, people would understand this year if you wanted to leave a squad and, and you wouldn't be criticized maybe like you know I was back in the day yeah, look, you know, we're, we're in different circumstances at the minute. Like, you know, where 10 years ago, if you dropped off a county squad, it was, it was nearly a crime. Yeah. You know, but, um, but in the current situation and climate we're in at the minute, you know, if players want to opt out over the next number of months, you know, I'm sure the manager will shake their hand and probably can't, can't shake their hand at the present minute, but no, they'll wish, wish them well and, and yeah. tell them that the door's, the door's open for them next year when they feel, feel ready to come back in. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And there, there is a cluster report um, yesterday. In this is in the Republic of Ireland now. The stats are from so there's 522 outbreaks in the previous seven days. This is in the last week. 352 were in private households, 25 in schools, seven in restaurants, cafes, four in pubs, and only three in sporting activity fitness. Now that's spread across all sporting activity fitness. We don't even know if one of those, you know, apply. To the GEA, so there is no doubt inter-county football is safe to play, right? And Gaelic footballers in the age bracket they're in are not in any way high risk, you know? So, like, I mean, it is safe. The the, the big issue with GEA games is when it gets to provincial final level, uh, Kieran. It's it's like the supporters will go mad and they'll be out celebrating in house parties. And that's where I think to provide a bit of balance here, that's probably what the people who want to pull these games are looking at. Yeah, um, we we know from from the stats that playing playing sports is a safe environment, you know. And you know, we Crow Park have put out the guidelines, you know, no car sharing, no meetings, no eating together, you know. So 
all the stuff's in black and white for players and for county player for for county boards. You know, and as you said, like if a team happens to win in the, the provincial championship, you know, yes, you know, obviously supporters will will celebrate it, like you know. But if you're in that environment and you're out the following week in All Ireland qualifying, you're not going to have players going out celebrating um, winning a provincial championship in the present 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 minute, you know. Um, and if people want to throw house parties and celebrate it, you know, that's out of Crow Park's control. Like, you yeah. know, they can't control yeah. that there. That buys back down to individual responsibility. And, you know, and the only people that have control of that is is, is the individual. Like, you know, and that's, that can't be fired at Crow Park and can't be fired on these online, the online pressure that's on Crow Park at the present minute to pull the whole competition. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And look, if you have a house party after your team wins a provincial, your neighbours are going to squeal on you anyways and you get a knock on the door at, with the, <laughs> under the new guidelines. So, like, I mean, that that probably has changed. Come here, we'll forget about that uh, talk and we'll talk about the football. So, I don't know about you, but I actually had to kind of do, like, a revision of what the hell happened in the league. We've been <laughs> we've been so far away from it. So, Galway are top, I found out yesterday. I remember yesterday. Um, they've eight points. Uh, Kerry on seven, Tyrone six, Dublin six, Donegal five, Monaghan five. Any of them are, are technically in the race. Mayo are on three. They're in trouble, and Mead are relegated um, on zero. So Galway can win the league this weekend if they beat Mayo and Kerry lose to Donegal. Like I mean, they've made nine changes from their last game. I don't know what to make of this league, uh, Kieran. In that, it feels like the first two games of the league. But it's actually the last two. And you know from playing, I hope it hasn't changed in the last 10 years. The last two league games always for us, the leash, you get a week break before them and they're, they're treated almost like championship games. You're into the good weather. This is a complete kind of mix-up for, for players. Yeah, definitely. As you said, you know, the last two league games, you're normally coming with a, with a step in your prep, you know, because the bright evenings have arrived, the grass has got harder, you know, on, on a dry ball and you're getting ready for championship. But um, things have changed. Um, I still think that that buzz, that appetite, will will be still there because you know these two matches in each division mean a lot to a lot of teams, and yeah. plus it also leaves them in good stead and getting ready for the championship in in, in two and a half weeks' time, three weeks' time. What did you make of McGuinness training uh, Galway? We know it was just a one-off. Maybe it made it made nearly too many headlines, I suppose. Yeah, look, I'm a big fan of Jim. Um, I liked him when he was with Donegal and I liked listening to him in Sky Sports and read his book and um, enjoyed reading his articles in the paper weekly. You know, um, yeah, it's 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 interesting. Um, you know, we could be in doing stuff in, in behind the scenes on, on the mental approach to, towards the Galway team because there has been that question over them in this past number of years. We all know they have the players, they have the talent. But the question back down to where they mentally soft when it came to bit, and maybe that's what Jim could be in doing. And obviously, when he's there, they maybe expose him to be on an outfield pitch session on, at the at the weekend pass. But I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if Jim is in there in a, in a, on a weekly base working on the, their mental mental side of the game. They had got meaner, to be fair, to Paddy Talley and uh, Kevin Walsh. They had got meaner. They had got that kind of you know the the perception that they were a bit soft. Maybe like you might see Kildare now, maybe or someone like that. To be fair, Kevin Walsh had probably gotten that out of them. Yeah, yes, Kevin took a bit of steel to them, and and obviously Paddy was down coaching the defensive side of things, and they had that wee bit of a of a, of a streak in them, like you know. But you know, it then once they got to Crow Park, I felt that they're always found wanting again. Once they went to Crow Park, 
Um, you know, maybe that's uh, Jim's in to, to fix that side of things because, you know, we obviously worked tremendous stuff with Donegal from, you know, remember back to 2010, we played Donegal in a qualifier match in Cross McGlenn and beat them by 17 points. Yeah. And the following year, they're in an Ireland semi-final. And then the year after that, they won it, you know. Um, and obviously, a lot of that there from chatting to the Donegal players will be friendly still with Neil McGee. And, you know, he boiled down a lot of that to Jim McGuinness and his, his approach and his mental um, approach that he took to the Donegal squad back then. Yeah, so there's no doubt if you can get Jim McGuinness in uh, in any capacity, you're doing you're doing fairly well. There's no Comer or Shane Walsh now; they're not 100 percent fit. What are teams going to do? Like uh, they've made nine changes from their last game. Like, I mean, I wouldn't pay any attention to the last game because it's so long ago. But they've definitely they're not at their first team, and we've talked about the last two league games being the two games where you pretty much want to be kind of settled on it, or and not even settled on it, but you want them to have played those two you know, league games together, you know, to prepare for the championship. Yeah, if you're trying to get, you know, your, your championship team out of the present minute, that would obviously have Comer and Shane Walsh in it and they're not available this weekend and, and possibly the following weekend. Look, you know, on the flip side of that there, I see that as an opportunity of of growing your squad and giving all the players an opportunity that might not get that chance if them two players are there. And we all know what Comer and Shane Walsh bring to the table for, for Galway and, I feel over the next week or two that you know give somebody else within the squad an opportunity to grow and develop, and that can only enhance and make the goal with team stronger come championship. Yeah, they have Sligo on November the seventh, so and then they have a Connacht final on November the fifteenth, so they still have a little bit of time, I suppose, to get those um, to get those injuries cleared up. Yeah, Porrick Joyce is going to need to find a centre back. John Daly's out. He has uh, Johnny Dwan, who's played an awful lot in the in cornerback out at centre back. And like I mean, I was looking at uh, Kieran Donaghy talking during the week, and he was suggesting Jack Barry should play centre back for Kerry. Um, he was saying, even though Peter Crowley's back, he was saying Jack Barry to centre back. He suggested Sean O'Shea to midfield and Paddy Clifford to number eleven. Now, I, I wouldn't agree with Sean O'Shea to midfield, but Jack Barry played centre back a lot at underage level, and I was just thinking, geez, that might not be the worst idea because Kerry are looking for a centre back, Galway are looking for a cent- like a regular uh, centre back, and then you look down through other counties, and Mayo don't have a regular one, Donegal don't, Tyrone don't, Monaghan don't, Armagh don't, Roscommon don't. Dublin chop and change their centre half backs since Keno Sullivan kind of wasn't a regular. And I was wondering, what the hell is going on with, with traditional centre backs here? <laughs> um, obviously, I think the, the game has come a lot more dyna- dynamic. You know, um, obviously, you go back to 10 years from where you're still playing. Like, you know, if you were the centre back, it was you that held that role and organised and communicated. But now with the game being so dynamic, you know, that interchanges a lot and it's having that flexibility within your squad and, and obviously that know-how of players dropping in and having that spatial awareness is yeah. is, is more key than having a fixed um, a centre-back at, at the present time, I think. Um, is it, yeah, so that's the thing. Like the, the, I don't know. I harp, Maybe I'm getting a little bit like Pat Spillane and Joe Brawley that harp back to when they were playing. But when I was coming up, you know, as a teenager watching it, it was Henry Downey, Glenn Ryan, Keith Barr, you know, Geezer, these traditional yeah. centre-backs. And I, 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 it just kind of happened without really noticing it. I'm looking down through all the top teams. And you're right, it, it, it is because it's more dynamic and you have a Johnny Cooper, someone that could easily slot into that position, you know, or you have a wing forward coming back then to do the 
the maybe the covering job that traditional centre backs always had that instinct of whether to follow and whether to drop back, and maybe you don't need to have that specialised position anymore. Yeah, definitely. Like you know, it's 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 the game's become more dynamic. You know, and if the ball's coming down the right hand side of the pitch, you know, obviously that's the most dangerous side of the pitch in the pre- at the present time. And it's up to the wing half back or the wing half forward on, on the left hand side of the pitch has got to drop in and provide that cover um, to to shut out the danger zone on top of the D. You know, and that has to be come with a lot of flexibility. That if you have a player constantly sitting in that position, you become predictable and it's easy for teams to pick you off and, and recycle the ball and control the ball. Where if you're pressing hard one side of the pitch, and the opposite side of the pitch, there's nothing happening that one of them players will drop in, you know, and I think that's the way a lot of teams are trying to operate at the minute is having that flexibility and having that spatial awareness and of, of players that's not a, that, that is not involved in that um, pressing, pressing of the game on the far side of the pitch. Yeah, it's it's in, it's definitely interesting that it's, it seems to be gone out of the game. You're talking about covering the, the top of the D there and one of the best players to do that, Colin Kavanagh, he's gone, he's retired. He played the last league game against Dublin up in Oma that Tyrone, when Tyrone beat um, Dublin. How big a loss is he going to be for Tyrone? Yeah, he's going to be a massive loss. And you've seen um, some of the Tyrone players have come out there recently and, and talked about the, the gap that this one has to be filled from Colm. Like, you know, with you, like, Colm was like a defensive midfielder that allowed the, the whole Tyrone half-back line and cornerbacks to attack at will. You know, in the minute they lost possession of the ball, like he just turned and, and plunked himself on top of the D and to, to deny that early ball inside to the full forward line. And it also give the, 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 the half back line and other players in the pitch the freedom to go forward at will. Um, and that's going to be a hard role to fill for, for, for Mickey Hart over the coming weeks and months. Definitely. I, I had him on the show there a few weeks ago and he was talking about, look, what I was asking him, had had his role become harder the last couple of years as Tyrone have started maybe to match up a little bit more than go back zonal? And he said he said it, it was because, you know, in the last couple of years when he runs back when they don't have the ball, he's immediately leaving his man free, which is a lot more noticeable when you don't have those other zonal players. Yeah, definitely. You know, and probably the most evident to, to really highlight that is, is Dub- was Dublin. Yeah. Against them, you know, you, you know, you, you listen to some of the, the articles and interviews that some of the Dublin players got. And, you know, when they said, you know, go back to the early 2011, 2012, whenever Jimmy Guinness of this in with Donegal, Dublin struggled with it big time. But they said now come the come towards the end of their, their fourth, fifth All Ireland, they found it very easy to play against. You know, yeah. players were dropping off, and they were fit to pick holes and and and, and pick gaps within within squads and, and get the proper players on the ball that need to get on the ball to, to to pick teams off inside the scoring zone. Yeah, Tyrone obviously played Donegal. That's the other big game on TV. We're really spoiled for choice. Like, I mean, you have Mayo versus uh, Galway, and you have Donegal versus Tyrone, like two great rivalries. Um, Donegal and Tyrone is an interesting one because they're playing in two weeks in the championship. Like, surely. Shadow boxing going to happen here? Don't think so. Like, both teams will want to win. Um, you know, it's boils back down to that there. You have very limited time to get to get ready to for your championship match. Um, you have a three week window here from, from this weekend inwards, um, till, till that championship match happens. And I would imagine both teams will be going as full strength as they can at, at the weekend to. To get players playing together, get that understanding again of how they want to play, how they want to set up, 
and, and have that cohesion within the whole squad and run them patterns that they had running way back last February and March and trying to get that up to scratch for, for the start of the championship in November. Yeah, so Conor McKenna's back for Tyrone. Colin McShane is out. Colin Cavan is out. So there's some good news and some bad news. Do you know much about Conor McKenna? Like, I mean, and we know it's going to take a little bit of time for him to get back into it. But for me, there's just something about Conor McKenna has a little bit, bit about him. I don't. I think he'll be. I think he'll be straight back in. Yeah, and look, I, I honestly don't know too much about the about the fella. But from watching clips on of him in, in the AFL, you know. He still had that style, that Gaelic style approach to, to his AFL game. And obviously it will take him time to adapt back into the round football and, 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 and Gaelic games. But I do believe that you know if he shows any form at all in the throne set up that he'll that he'll be an automatic starter for them. Yeah. And with yeah. his and with his, with his pace, you know, it's going to be beneficial for them coming into the winter months. Definitely will. Oshin Gallen is back for Donegal. Jason McGee and Paddy McGrath, all probably who would have missed the championship had it gone, um, you know, along the, the summer months as usual. Here's a question for you, because Tyrone traditionally have, has suited, uh, has favoured a more defensive style coming out of it now. Donegal, I think, are tactically probably the most flexible team in the country in that they could take Kerry on, for example, in Croke Park in a very open game, or they could surprise Tyrone in the championship, you know, the year after in Kingspan Breathney Park by going a lot more defensive and playing a, a counter-attack game. Will winter football suit a defensive game plan? I'm, I'm trying to think of a more attacking kick kick pass oriented game plan like maybe Armagh have you know in slippery mucky conditions the ball not going to hand easy turnovers is the safer is the safer system in a winter championship a more conservative one yeah look you know it's it's I think every team has become more flexible and you know they, they want to play an expansive brand of football and obviously you know they'll get back and defend the numbers as well but I think over the winter months it, it's all going to depend on on, on weather um, every pitch, you know that these teams are going to be playing on are going to be in a, a decent condition, good surface. You know, if it's a wet, windy night, obviously your your mindset will have to change to a running game, keeping the ball through the hands. Where if it's a calm, fresh evening, you know, obviously you'll be able to play a more ex- expansive brand of football. Um, but you know, we're coming into that time of year where it's 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 you know, most likely going to be wet and windy, and I think that will have a big say in championships is. Is having a good place kicker, and you know, has been having that getting up into that ninety percent bracket on your scoreboard free kicks. Yeah, well, one team that does have a good place kicker is Dublin. Um, they're sure. they're they're all over the place, right? Because poor Desi Farrell started in late November uh, because Jim Gavin, you know, resigned very late. He played a few league games, and then he's out in the cold in the lockdown, like every other county. Then he's back. Dublin Club Championship didn't finish until recently and now he's only got his squad together for what's facing into a very, very hectic uh, schedule. I see Marco Shea hinting at Dublin potentially getting caught this year. Kieran Donaghy the same, you know, the Kerry boys maybe wanting to get that out there. Where do you, where do you see uh, Dublin? Like, I mean, I would have to be on the the, the side that with Croke Park empty, um, Dublin with a new management team, him trying to bring his own ideas in there, maybe personnel, that if they don't get caught this year, we could be looking at a 10 in a row. <laughs> yeah, look, you know, obviously it's it's going to be a tough tough couple of weeks and tough couple of months for Dazzy because of the, the seven-month lockdown there. You know, he would have been like to get in early 
um, after Jim departed to, to stop his own authority and, and take his own ideas to the, to, the, to the table. You know, but the longer that festered, you know, the more these boys have been set in a real rigid and disciplined approach from, from Jim Galvin that got them to five in a row. And I think it'll be hard to change them boys and get them out of that zone or that comfort zone that they have been in this last six years or the last five years underneath um, Jim. And with Desi trying to change that and put his own style of things, that it could be a lot of teething problems over the next number of weeks and months. Yeah, for, and for like the, for the Dublin side. Well, like I mean, obviously Jack McCaffrey has retired. They've won an All Ireland without him. Tier McConnelly has retired. They've won an All Ireland without him. Like I mean, you know, they, they, uh, Rory O'Carroll has gone away. They've won an All Ireland without him, and he was a regular before he went away. Like they, nothing seems to really phase them. Well, obviously the last five years nothing phased them. Again, you know, whether it starts to phase them now under new management, only time will tell. Yeah, and obviously, you know, the, a lot of things will boil down to, you know, these players that have won five in a row, you know, where their heads at after seven months out of this environment. Um, I know they've all went back and played club football and, you know, from watching some of the Dublin Club Championship matches, some of them have played really well, but, you know, you also had, you know, some players that were struggling at times within that club club championship season. And, you know, and... You've got a question, you know, will their motivation be as high as it was back last February, February and March time? Yeah, I suppose with everything going on. And what about the empty Croke Park? How do you how do you think that uh, will be a factor? Um, I don't think it'll have a major factor, to be honest, on the, on 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 the Dublin squad. Look, it's a game of football at the end of the day. You know, whether there's twenty people on it or eighty thousand, yes, obviously there's a different dynamic on that occasion, but. You know, we all love playing football. You're in that environment. That's what you want to do. And I think when, when you're in Crow Park, it wouldn't matter if there's 80,000 or 20,000 there. It's the best playing facilities in, in Ireland and maybe the world. And each player will go out there and want to express themselves and want to play their, to their, their, their best. Yeah, exactly. Right, we'll leave it there, uh, Kieran, and we'll, we'll take a break and we'll come back and we'll have a look at the other three divisions. he gave me back then was he, we were in the Glen Royal on a night out and he, I'd never met him before and he put his arm around me and he said you won't go too far wrong if you win the ball and give it to me I said alright well okay it was great advice yeah, it was <laughs> for you So Division 2, um, and we know, listen, this is one thing I did remember, probably because Leash are in it, that this is the most exciting uh, uh, division in, in the whole league. Maybe Division 4 might have something to say about that. Every team outside of Fermanagh has still a chance of getting promoted, which is absolutely incredible, um, really. Armagh, Roscommon are in the driving seat. Um, Armagh probably more than anybody else in the driving seat because Roscommon have to go away to Armagh and also have to go away to Cavan in the last two games. So Roscommon are in second place, but, you know, they, like they could find themselves in fifth place, uh, Kieran, by the time this league ends. Yeah, look, it's a, it's a really tight league, you know, and has been from day one. Like, you know, obviously, um, at one point, we thought Armagh was going to run away with it and then suffered a defeat down in a leash, which isn't a happy hunting ground for us. No, um, no. <laughs> and, 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 and numerous times, you know, obviously playing against leash and, 
you know, and obviously Russ Common chilling us there a couple of years ago at, at in the qualifying stage, just you know, so you know, it's 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 all the play for and you know, there's a number of teams there that will see themselves in a really good position to get promoted. Um and you know, it's be a, there's a massive match in the Atlantic Rounds on, on Saturday evening and one that from an RMR perspective and an RMR supporter is that one that we're really looking forward to and, and sitting at home and watching on the tally. What, have you ever wondered about where this bogey team for Armagh being leash has come from? I even remember the year Armagh won the All-Ireland. We beat Armagh that year in Croke Park in the league semi-final. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't know what's going on. And it's actually ramped up even more in recent years as Armagh have actually become a much obviously, you know, more talented team than Leash, but still can't seem to beat them. I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but it's pissing me off, says you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll turn that tide someday. Someday, yeah. Once you do once, maybe uh, you'll keep doing it. So how are Armagh uh, shaping up? Um, how long are they back? There was a bit of a, a, a COVID issue within the squad. Is, you know, is that, are you in, are Armagh in the clear of that now and training away? Yeah, by, by all accounts, um, all the boys that were... Obviously, safe isolating over this past um, fourteen days. We're we're back in at training over the weekend there, and 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 gearing themselves towards the Roscommon match at, at the weekend. Um, you know, so chatting to the obviously I met Geezer yesterday for a coffee to go through some stuff regards on the seventeens and just have a general chat to them. And you know, he says the boys are in a good place, and I'm really looking forward to the weekend. Right, Armad, like the league, getting promoted from the league is pretty important, Armad. It's, it's, it would be fair to say that. Yeah, obviously that's that's our that's our ultimate goal. I'd imagine from from the squad's perspective that you know you want to be playing Division One football, and the more you're exposing yourself to to that division, and um, the more chances you have of competing at, at a championship level and progressing to the latter stages of the championship, whether the Super Eights come back in or quarterfinals or the last four and to get to that um, stage of the championship, you've got to be um, consistently playing at Division One football. I think. Yeah, there's some de- fairly difficult decisions for Geezer to to make on the Armagh team. Like, I mean, the full forward line is the obvious one. Midfield, he's got loads of options as well. Like, Oshin O'Neill had a brilliant club championship. Um, you know, he's pushing on. You've got Grimley, you've Jarlett O'Burns. You you know, you have these fellas. Uh, full forward line. Then you know, you have an awful lot of really good full uh, fellas who can play on the full forward line. The the big thing for Geezer is getting the balance right, I suppose, across the team. Yeah, obviously he'll he'll have headaches leading into this week, you know. But something that um, I think Kieran has been very good at over this past um, years, two years, is that he's starting to pick players based on form and training. Uh, right. You know, in my, in my latter stages of my career, he threatened that, but. He probably didn't go through that. He he stuck with the, the tried and relied or reliable players, and you know, and that probably didn't serve him because a lot of us were coming to the end of our day and weren't performing at the level that we should have been. And now he, he he's gone that he's gone to that mode that if you're performing and training and performing well, that you're going to get your chance. And I think that has uh, filtered through the squad and has kept everybody on their toes. But I absolutely love that. Um, I don't know about you, but like, I mean, think of what the A versus B game would be like if you knew on the B team that if I play well here, I'm going to get on. I remember being on like both the A and the B team down through the years with Leash and the B team, you'd be demoralized because you'd know the team is practically picked. And <laughs> like, I mean, no matter what I do here is not really going to make a difference. You could imagine the B team with their 
tails up like an underdog coming into a county final thinking that if I play well here I'm getting on the team for a healthy squad it's by far the best um, route to go down yeah definitely you know and he's he's talked about approaching this past um, two years on and it has served the the squad well and, and obviously him well you know because you know it's given players um, incentive it's given them appetite and they know that if they're producing the goods at training that that there's a fair chance that they'll get an opportunity at the weekend to play to play in the National League or play come championship time. Yeah, I think it was Dublin kind of started that. Kerry did it a lot under Eamon Fitzmaurice, definitely. And, like, I mean, you'd imagine that every county will be doing it um, if they're not. Um, then the, the, other, the, other, the flip side of that now is, say the fella that always plays well in training, but doesn't just like that big day with the crowd. You know those, and you probably know a few down through the years in Armagh. I know fellas who, geez, they could be torturous to mark in training, but they just they've had loads of chances come championship and they haven't taken it. Do you know? Like I mean, you ha- I suppose you just use your own <laughs> your own local knowledge and instinct for the stuff like that. Yeah, you have to know, you have to use your your past experience. And <laughs> <scenarios>. <laughs> yeah, so if you're going well in training, I'm picking you on Sunday, unless you've let me down the last three years. Uh, but then it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other the other big game the other big game in Division Two is Kildare and Cavan. Um, what do you make of this Kildare thing? Now I think these fellas are still on the are on the they've been picked on the panel anyway. Fergal Conway, Kevin Flynn, Mick O'Grady, Paddy Brophy. Um, they were named as part of the squad last week. Um, they dropped off the panel because they felt that they got a really raw deal in the county semi-final. Um, it was Selbridge against Moorfield and apparently the referee rode them. So they were threatening to drop off the squad. I, I don't know. Like, what do you what do you think of this? Like, I mean, just because a, a, a referee rode you, does it mean that the county squad suffers? Now, I don't want to go down the road of criticising them too much because it looks like they might actually be in on the squad now. Yeah, look, you know, it's you know, it's it's a it's a tricky situation for for Jack O'Connor as, as Kildare manager, and obviously a tricky one for the Kildare County Board. Um, you know, but you know, at the end of the day, it's it's neither Jack O'Connor's fault or yeah. the Kildare County Board's fault or your current teammates in the Kildare panel's fault that that a referee maybe maybe um give a couple of dodgy decisions against you, and you know. And obviously, I'd say it was probably just a heat of the moment thing after the game, and maybe listening to um, people from outside environments that probably prompted them players to go one way, and then maybe when the dust settled, the players had a change of heart and change of mind and, and, and rejoin the squad again, which would be the, the right thing to do. Yeah, because they are important players. The four of them are all are all starters, so Jack O'Connor would be fairly uh, pissed off. Kildare have only got four points, but they've two home games left. They've Westmead, um, they've Westmead at home, and they've Cavan at home. So arguably, they could be up on eight points right right in the mix. You know, after such a terrible start, but arguably, no one Kildare <laughs> they might not be either. Yeah, look, you know, obviously, you know, Garmah played Kildare in their second league match this year. You know, in the Atlantic rounds on. You know, there's a lot of hype coming to it and, you know, a lot of um, expectation coming with this Kildare squad with Jack O'Connor involved and, you know, it's very disappointed in them on that, on that night. Armagh beat them quite easily um, and, you know, so they have a lot of work to do over the next number of weeks and, and months leading into the championship in, in the Lancer campaign. Yeah, Fermanagh have two points. Now, they're not relegated. But geez, they're they're being put in a very very difficult position. So they've ten positive cases and they've seven other players in are self isolating. So 
they will be out of self-isolation on the day of the clear game, but they'll have absolutely nothing done. Where, where, where are you on this? Do you think this is fair? Like the GEA last night, the news came that they wouldn't accept the game being postponed. Um, so the game is going ahead. Uh, for, I, for me, it looks very, very harsh on Fermanagh because this isn't just a run-of-the-mill league game. This is, this is arguably a relegation match. Yeah, look, you know, I think it boils back down to this to this word, common sense. Um, yeah. You know, that we we seem to neglect a lot in, in GA terms um, when it comes to these situations. You know, I think both um, Fermana and Clare had agreed to maybe refix the match for a midweek at a usual venue. And by all accounts, Crow Park haven't agreed to that. And I think that's, that's unfair that if both counties agreed to it, um, that Co Park should be fit to accommodate it and, and give the players the best opportunity to to perform uh, at that level and, and, and chance to either keep themselves in the league or put themselves in the promotion stakes. Because they're in. If they if if Fermanagh lose this one, the reality is is that you know Clare will be up to six points. If Kildare win, they could be relegated by losing this match. And uh, yeah, you're right. Like I mean, there is a common sense element here, and I do kind of get the GA's side of it. To some extent, because it's it'll set a precedent of of a team being allowed to pull out because of you know positive tests where the championship is just you know all the games are on top of each other and they can't you know have that kind of disruption. So maybe you know is that the kind of way they're looking at it? If if the precedent is set so early now, geez, it's a relegation match and they're down seventy players. I would be more on your line. Let you know, let it be rescheduled for some time that the two teams agree. But maybe the GEA just don't want to open up a can of worms that they won't be able to close come championship. Yeah, yeah. You know, obviously there is that element that, you know, you know, you know, people could be saying, you know, Racy's pulling the fly in here because they're sitting bottom of the league and and you know, they don't want to play this game. But obviously you gotta you gotta take each thing at, at, at its merit. You know, if they've ten positive cases and seven players in isolation, you know, the Common sense is that you know give this team the best opportunity to go and perform and play the remaining two leagues that that mean so much to them the way the leagues are the championship is going to be split next year. Yeah, that's another and, layer on it. Yeah, and, and and the right thing is that if you know Fermanagh and Clare both agree to play this match midweek on a Wednesday or a Thursday night somewhere down the country, that get a facility that would facilitate it and, and play the game. Yeah, well, that's it, I suppose. And they're talking about putting out their under-20 team. Like, putting out their under-20 team, getting relegated to Division 3, going into the Talton Cup next year. There's too much riding on this, you know, for, for, for Mana to not allow them at least have a fighting chance to stay in the division. So, like, I mean, I do think that's that would be the fair thing to do. But look, it's been ruled on um, now, so there's not too much um, anyone can do about it. Division 3 uh, recap. This is probably the most boring division um, if we're talking about ex- excitement because Cork have it won. We know who the winners are. And if we're being honest, Down and Longford both have seven points. But for me, it's Down and Cork, you know, that's going to go up here. There might be a little bit more excitement on who could potentially go down. Yeah, look, you know, it looks like the two front runners there are Down and our Cork's obviously been promoted and Down coming up um, a second. Um, so... Obviously, C. Darren was hit with a, with a double blow today with Darn O'Hagan and Conroy Harrison that have um, that aren't oh. available for the, for, for the for the rest of their league or championship. So they'll be two big misses for Down, um, especially in this home straight these last two league matches. And I think they've another two players currently in isolation from from COVID cases. So 
you know, that that could hamper their progression of maybe putting a stint of coming up second in, in, in this league. Right. What happened to two boys? Are they injuries? Yeah, as far as I know, that's um, Darn obviously has, I think, has been carrying an injury the whole way through the club championship and down, and it's yeah. something that he needs to address and, and probably needs a slight operation on by all accounts. And, um, you know, Conroy has probably been floating into the down squad this past number of years. He's jumping between back London, but work and stuff like that there, so probably has opted out. Um, so it probably just puts a wee, a wee dampener on, on maybe them progressing out of that division maybe over the next number of weeks. Right. What, what is, what, what's your impression of down football having managed in it? Like, is everybody in the county committing to the county squad? That, is, is that an issue within down or have their standard, the standards of the county team just kind of slipped a little bit? No, like, you know, it's, it's, it's a case of, you know, obviously you have um, Kaku that has a juggernaut in down football, um, you know, the way Arm, uh, Cross McLean had an arm off for a number of years. Yeah. And it's, it's a case of um, every club getting to that level and, and trying to bridge the gap. And I think the more clubs that do that, the more competitive down club championship will come and the stronger down county football will be. And we've probably seen that in Armagh over the last number of years that, you know, teams started to realise that they got a train at the level of Cross McLean was training that and do that bit extra. And when that happened, you know, obviously other teams started to win championships in Armagh and it gave more clubs a bit of incentive and it made our county club football stronger and obviously it made our, our, the Armagh county team a lot stronger on, on the flip side of that as well. Yeah, in case anyone from Longford is a little bit pissed off for me, the reason I think Down are going to do it, they've Leitrim at home and Loud left and they've beaten Longford. So if it comes down to a head-to-head, even if Longford win their last two games and Down win their last two games, well then Down you know, will go up, which is, again, like Division 2 relegations, Division 3 um, promotions are just as imp- are just as important to be not playing in that Talton Cup. Tipperary, interestingly, are in 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 big trouble. They're on they're only on three points. They're a team that were you know knocking on the door of the top teams. Were in Division Two, doing pretty well two years ago, and then found themselves in Division Three, and now in in trouble for actually staying up. They're at home to Offaly, who are two points ahead of them um, this weekend. And then next week they're away to Leitrim. So you could have a situation, um, Louder are relegated. It's between Leitrim, Tipperary, probably awfully. Derry could be dragged in there if they lose to Longford this weekend as well. Yeah, look, you know, the, the, the bottom of that, that division is tight. You know, obviously Loud are gone. And um, you have Leitrim, Tipperary, Offaly and Derry and, on, on that there. And, you know, Longford will still have that ambitions of, of, of going up. They have been knocking on the door this past couple of years. So they'll be going with the incentive that if they beat Derry on at the weekend and hopefully lead them, you know, possibly get a result of some departure against Down and, and Loud maybe over the next number of weeks, that that'll lead them in a good place to give themselves the chance to, to get promotion. Cork but Yes, tip, go on. Yes, tip, temporary, you know, probably had been knocking on the door division two, division three this past number of years and had really good runs in, in recent championships. That have um, have really had a wee bit of a dip in form there, where you change a manager and are, are looking in trouble at the bottom of that division as well. Yeah, Quinn Livin is back for them anyways, which is a big plus. He was going to miss the year um, as well, but with the whole uh, situation, uh, the pandemic and everything, he's he's going to be home, which is massive. Colin O'Reardon, we were talking on the show last week. He might have been given permission to play with them, but that's been denied uh, since, which is a you know is going to be a big loss. Cork are in the best position out of any team probably in the whole country in that 
they, it looks like they have it wrapped up on paper. Uh, technically, they don't, but they do. They've loud at home um, left. They have Longford um, away. They are building a very, very strong squad. They have under 21s one in All Ireland coming in. Kieran Sheen is uh, uh, he's injured. He's going to miss the championship. But they're in a position now where they arguably have a month into this Kerry game. Do you know where Kerry probably have two? you know, pretty tough games in the league to kind of build into that. Well, you could actually argue that Kerry, you know, aren't in a bad position. But Cork have the best lead into the championship out of any, out of any team from a preparation point of view, would you say? Yeah, look, they're, they're in a really strong position. And, you know, and, you know, Cork football shouldn't be in Division 3. Like, you know, they should be at the top table and consistently there and, and down and win months of championships and, and pushing to win All-Irelands. But they're in a really strong position now to, to take that leap into Division 2 and lead themselves in a good stead for, for the Munster Championship and, and the All-Ireland Series in the coming weeks. Yeah, Keane O'Neill, like, I mean, Keane O'Neill is in with them and he's definitely... I don't know about you, but for the last 10 years, I've always thought Cork were a very confused team. They didn't really... The game was changing and they didn't really know how to change with it. Do you know... Did, did you ever get that impression from them? Yeah, some that you know we've we probably played against in the past number of years as well, dropping up between two and three. Um, you know, they were big, they were athletic, but as you said, they found it very hard to adapt to to the modern game the way it had been played has been played over this past four or five years. And it it was a lot easier. It was easy to pick them off because they left themselves a lot of the time one v one at the back and and with good forwards that you were, you were able to cause them plenty of trouble. Yeah, and that's the thing. I think Keane O'Neill has brought maybe that I don't know a bit of a, a bit of tactical know-how um, that they didn't have. And there was a whole talk last year about how they had a players' meeting mid-year and they were playing a more defensive style which didn't suit them. And then they had this players' meeting and then they started playing a lot more expansively in the championship and had a good championship. I don't know did you hear that narrative going on, but I had Mark Collins on the show last week and he said that's a, that's all a lot of <laughs> that never happened. <laughs> so I don't know I don't know what to think. I think they were just going really badly in the league and, and they had you know they had a discussion about things not to change tactics or anything, but you know it just so happened that after the meeting they started winning and people started saying they started playing differently when <laughs> they didn't really. Yeah, it's always the way. Like you know, especially for the underage success they've had there in, in recent times as well. Like you know, they have they've quality players throughout their squad, and as you said, it's probably just having that wee bit of structure and and, and know how that maybe Kane or Nita stuck to the table in the last in the last couple of months. Yeah, or definitely. Last year. Yeah, it definitely is. Division four, arguably the most exciting division as well. Limerick on eight points, Antrim seven, Wexford six, Wicklow six, Sligo six. So there you are, two points between um, the first five teams. Like, uh, incredible stuff. Um, probably not a lot riding on it as as regards, the, you know, Tier 1 or Tier 2. But obviously, you're climbing the ladder to get out of the Tier 2 by, by winning it. Um, interestingly, Wicklow play Antrim this weekend at home. They're two of the team. That's the team on seven, Antrim versus six, Wicklow. And Limerick are at home to Wexford. So that is Limerick on eight against Wexford at six. So next week, you'll 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 we'll know a lot more. At the moment, Division Four is completely wide open. This time next week, because of those two games, we will start to see. Well, we'll either start to see you know obvious winners, or it could get even more complicated if Wexford beat Limerick and Wicklow beat Antrim. 
Yeah, look, you know, just looking at, at Antrim and, and what has occurred there that the, this week and down this direction is, you know, they've got to go ahead. They build Casement Park again. Oh, yeah. And that, would get, that would give the people of, of Antrim a lift. It would give their county squad a lift, you know, because it, it means a lot to Belfast and it means a lot to the Antrim people. And they'll sp- see that as an incentive, you know, to start climbing divisions um, over, the, over the next couple of years uh, to get back playing at, at a high level in, in Casement Park again. No one traditionally Antrim are really good underage teams at minor level and on and, and the 20 levels, you know, and it's just they need to start bringing that across to to senior level. And, you know, they've got a big Gale Fest thing they're going at the minute for the next three years. There's a lot of work being done and they'll see all this as momentum um, over the next week or two. And, you know, I won't be surprised that if Antrim get the win at the weekend and leave themselves in a really good position to get back in Division 3. So will Casement Park then be the county or be the provincial headquarters then and, and Clonus will be a ghost town come Ulster final day? It's hard to know. I'd say a lot of it will boil down to what teams is uh, competing in the Ulster finals. Um, right. You know, Ulster Council will probably use that as, as their two main venues for... Provincial final days, you know, and obviously it'll, it'll determine what what two teams is in the in, in the provincial finals where they'll take the matches. I would imagine, but you just wouldn't know what would happen. Yeah, you wouldn't know. Yeah, I suppose like Munster, it could be depending who's in it. It would di- dictate where where it's going to be. What did you make of Paul Galvin leaving Wexford? Um, look, you know, I I was really looking forward to to watching Paul's progress this year with Wexford. Um, I think he's an interesting character. I would imagine he's a really good manager and coach. And um, it was something that I was looking forward to, to, to following his progress and, and seeing how he's going. And my own woman, she's from Wexford. And um, I'd be traveling up and down there a, a right bit. And I was thinking of maybe contacting him and maybe dropping in to see what could I drop in to watch a couple of the sessions when I'm down that direction. But, you know, obviously he's left and... Um, I think he had Wexford going really well. Um, he had a dif- difficult start, obviously, with, with personnel leaving the squad and maybe not um, liking his methods. But um, he once he got that out of, out of the system, you know, they were starting to show a bit of progress and it'll be interesting to see how they recover now over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and by all accounts, playing a pretty direct, like similar to an Armagh style of football, which I know because Paul Galvin was a pundit for me here for one or two years and that was his philosophy it was a lot of you know the pretty much the carry way is using the foot a lot more than the hand yeah yeah you know and they, they were showing progression um in, in, in division four league and it was a team that i was really looking forward to, to watching and, and obviously modern pause progress with with them what did you make of his theory on, he spoke, Bernard Brogan was speaking about this recently, um, It's it's uh, he was talking to the London squad and he said, um, hands up, how many of you own a bag of balls? Or hands, first hang, hands up who has two pairs of boots or whatever and they all put up their hands. Hands up who owns a, pe- who owns a bag of balls and none of them put up their hand and he says, do you think you're supposed to be serious inter-county players if you don't have a bag of balls and you don't practice what is the most important part of the game you know every day and it, it would get you thinking a bit i know a bag of balls could cost four or five hundred quid but at the same time you don't need a bag of them you just need maybe one or two and kick a pint from one side and then come the other side and maybe kick kick one from the other side that a lot of the time i was speaking to the lads on the show here um on monday about this is that whenever you think of training on your own 
I don't know about you, but it's either weights or it's it's running a five kilometers. When you're training on your own, you very rarely think of I'll go with the ball if you're not a free taker. Yeah, to- totally agree. Like you know, it's you, know, you can't you can't beat skills and having that that skill at execution and, and, and replicating that week in with day out. You know, um, you know, and it's it's a big part of our game. It was having a good skill set and being able to kick off right and left foot, be able to hand pass off right and left. And, you know, if you get the opportunity to score, it's being able to capitalise on that there. And, you know, I'd say that's not just in London. I'd say that could be throughout the whole of Ireland that there'd be very, very small majority of players that would own, own four or five footballs. Yeah. Not alone a bag, own one maybe. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But do you find, say, with, you're with the Armander 17s, and uh, one thing always stuck out with me when James Horan took over Mayo in, in 2011, he got them back to a lot of basics, like practicing off their left foot, practicing off, hand passing off their weak hands, something I never did. I did practice off my weak foot and got it decent, but I was 24. Like, it's crazy stuff. Do you see Armander 17s landing into you with no weaker foot? not hand-passing off the other one, you know, with some basic skills of the game not having been kind of, I don't know, forced on them maybe. Yeah, definitely. Like, you know, obviously you're, you're, you have some players coming in with exceptional skills, skill development, like, you know, and obviously you have some players that that's coming in that aren't as comfortable on, on their non-dominant side as they would be on their strong side, you know, and, and obviously that's our job as a as a under-70 management team is to, to develop that, and enhance that and ultimately get them ready for, for inter-county football um, over the next number of years. But w- would you say, for example, so I know Geezer has a holistic approach to Armagh football. Would he talk to you and say, right, how many of them can't go off the left foot? And then he'd go down the chain to the 16s, to the 15s, to the 14s and go, what are you doing with them? Do you know what I mean? Would there be that kind of a joined up kind of thinking going on rather than get them to 17 without? I'm, t- I'm not just using Armagh as an example. This is an example for every county in the country. Yeah, look, there's there's that whole um, thought process at the present minute in the Arma Academy squads. You know, we have um, obviously geezers at the head of the seniors, and everything filters down through from him, like you know, towards the under twenties, under seventeens, and then we have Ian O'Rourke and Paul McGrain involved in the academy squads as well, and we try to all work in tandem and try to develop at each level. That then it's a progression, the next level, progress again, progress again. And ultimately leave them in a really good position that they're fit to come in to step in the senior level and they've all uh, hopefully the boxes ticked. Right, that's in, that's impressive. You've uh, McGrain and O'Rourke in with the academy. Yeah, the two boys would, would do a lot of hands on and, over, and oversee a lot of the stuff within our within our academy setup and and roll that out to the coaches that are over the teams. Okay, very good. Right, come here. We'll leave it there and. Uh, We'll have more to see what happens, I suppose, after this weekend. It's like today has been more of a revision of where the hell we're at with each division. And uh, look, looking forward. Listen, you're under uh, restrictions up there in Ulster, aren't you? So, like, I mean, you have six games to watch this weekend, so you won't, we won't feel too sorry for you. No, I actually don't know what restriction we're at the minute. It's, it's chopping and changing that much, but, you know, the only, the only light that we have is that we're, we're still allowed to play a sport and... and Long may that continue. Yeah, exactly, and talk about it. Kieran, thanks very much, mate. Good man, Colin, thank you. All right, great stuff. We'll be back on Monday. Keen Ward um, is back and we'll review the games from the weekend, the ones that were on television. Um, I'm sure that's what the ones we'll focus on. We'll talk to you then. Good luck.
this yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas will get such a shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f***ing houses for f***ing years.